All right, let's try again. George Tillis, the Overlook stock extraordinaire, is going to start off with standard lithium. Uh, George, that big run, then a crash, and then bounce back. What's with all the volatility here? Well, there's a lot of volatility in the stock, OJ, because I think it has to do with some policy initiatives that might be changing. And hopefully you can hear me now. But Standard Lithium is basically a domestic you, lithium producer. It's a Canadian company. It's a Canadian company that actually has plants in Arkansas. They're actually a primary extractor of brine lithium. And they actually have also a direct lithium extraction process that's patented that effectively does, I think, what the administration wants. They want uh, speed of, uh, of uh, extraction. They also want quality, but at the same time, they want ESG-based mandates. In other words, environmentally friendly uh, extraction processes that have less waste, use less hydrocarbons to uh, extract, as well as waste wastewater, uh, which again is uh, needed to be remediated in a lot of the mining processes. But I think what we're actually seeing also in this stock as well as trends in the uh, in the lithium space is what's going on with China. I think if you look at wholesale prices in China, OJ, the aspects now of uh, China becoming a point of uh, export for uh, lithium battery production is uh, becoming more costly. And I think that's changing the dynamic from a macrocentric point of view to uh, to produce domestically. And in North America, where uh, Standard Lithium actually has their plants in Arkansas, with 50 years of production and experience seems to be an area where, again, we're starting to see domestic production move, where there's a little bit more of a stable supply. Cost of production now is starting to potentially equilibrate to that of China, not to mention the strong dollar and some initiatives, including tax incentives for uh, things like carbon capture, as well as renewable energy mandates are really going towards uh, the industries that are producing for the next generation electric vehicles, as we know, is expected to be a $1 trillion uh, total addressable market cap-based industry between now and 2030. Okay. Uh, George, uh, so if we're looking at this as long-term versus short-term, how much of it is still like way future dream and how much of it is actually happening? Yeah. Well, I think it's actually happening. I think it's happening from a uh, from a, just a natural macro centric point of view. I, I think overall we're starting to see some of the value chain uh, economies of scale that China had actually given us in the past starting to wane. I think policy initiatives, especially past COVID, when it comes down to supply uh, logistic constraints and of course the aspects of global production and trade, uh, I think there's initiatives to actually produce more in, in, in the United States. And, and I think that this is one of the catalysts that we're starting to see, especially when it comes down to anything that has to do with renewable energy. So we've got trade initiatives, we've got domestic production initiatives, we also have renewable energy initiatives. And I think right now, uh, policy is favoring uh, industries that uh, Standard Lithium is operating in. If you actually look now on a year-to-date basis, the stock is up 300%. Now, you have to keep in mind that there's a lot of volatility, as you mentioned, in this name, but also in a lot of the EV stocks. So there has been a carry through or a proxy trade associated with a lot of the movers like Lucid, uh, Rivian, Tesla, that have manifested into lithium companies like Standard Lithium. But I think overall, if you look at the business itself, it's got one of the richest supplies of lithium in the United States, uh, in North America. And I think what we're actually starting to see as well is with their fully automated plants in Arkansas, uh, we're actually starting to see imported lithium mined from South America and even other countries like South, like, uh, uh, South, uh, South Africa. 
being imported to the United States for production and eventual, of course, uh, use in the United States for uh, manufacturing companies like Ford, GM, uh, and Tesla, which again, produce automobiles in the United States. So I think this is not just a, uh, a company-centric uh, move that we've seen. I mean, the stock itself in the last five years, if you look at it, it was a penny stock. It's up over 300% year to date. Uh, it's at over $9 right now. I, I think we're actually seeing some policy initiatives that are starting to manifest into supporting uh, domestic supply, which is more reliable in the United States uh, for lithium. All right, George, they got to make they gotta have to ensure that their end client is paying a good margin for this, right? I mean, they're bringing in materials from Africa and stuff. It's yeah. just uh, all over the, you know, this is not a cheap business. So, so uh, I imagine that uh, this requires a premium on electric cars, of course, uh, at least for the moment. Uh, okay, SLI, George, good good wrap. We gotta keep going though. Let's talk Aurora Innovation. Stock just came out of nowhere. AUR, this is a driverless tech, is that right? Yeah, it is. So there's a theme going on right now, like it was, I would say, in the, uh, the late 2020s and early 2021 before February OJ of SPACs and reverse mergers associated with SPACs. And here Aurora Innovation is another example of such. Uh, it, it was trading around $10. As you can see, it traded up to about $15 today. So it was a 50% move. But uh, this is a company that is, uh, you know, a, uh, a recent reverse merger SPAC that is engaged in self-driving technologies. It has a whole suite of self-driving technologies, including hardware, software, as well as data services. Now, its focal point isn't uh, where companies like Waymo or General Motors and Tesla are. Those companies, and Uber, by the way, as well in that space, those companies seem to be focused more on passenger vehicle and ride-sharing autonomous driving, whereas Aurora Innovation is actually focused on the trucking industry. And so if you hear about supply chain constraints, we hear about trucking shortages. There's about 60,000 driver shortage estimated right now in the United States. We know there's a logjam at the ports based on trucking and of course, uh, flat, uh, flat rolled or flatbed trucks that uh, carry cargo. But uh, I think right now, uh, there's a couple of catalysts for the company. One is, is that it seems to be gaining momentum based upon this trucker shortage. Two, this whole aspect of uh, SPACs actually confirming a, uh, a partnership uh, is moving stocks. Uh, and uh, again, you have to think about the nature of driverless, uh, driverless technologies as a secular uh, secular component of our, uh, of our uh, you know, automated economy going forward. Now, there's a couple of things you got to keep in mind. When you're dealing with companies like this, OJ, you have to think about revenues. It is past a proof of concept. They have, they have passed that. They have proven technology, but it's a pre-revenue company. They don't have any revenues, and they're not estimated to generate revenues until 2024. And uh, they're not essentially estimated to break even at least until 2027. So these are risks you have to keep in mind with companies like this. But you know, at an $18 billion market cap, the company did raise about $2.5 billion in cash. So it really comes down to deployment now, the technology in, a, in an actual setting. The company has estimated, these are again based upon uh, some of the research that I did, that in 2024, they will be deploying a highway, highway network of actual uh, autonomous trucks by 2024 in Texas. So again, these are expectations the company has. It is a pre-revenue based business. It is focused on trucking outside, again, the other companies in mention, which are focused primarily on, on, uh, uh, on driverless technologies for uh, passenger cars. But uh, at the end of the day, driver as a service is a new technology that is going to be manifesting into reality 
But uh, this is a company, again, like I said, it's pre-revenue, and it's, uh, it's going to be relatively volatile, to say the least. Okay. Uh, so volatility is kind of the name of the game right now in any of these yeah. high-growth future so, tech. I mean, and it's interesting that these in particular had such a good week because we were just talking about, I mean, I guess on the week, yeah. Standard Lithium did not have a good week. Okay, it had a good Friday. Uh, but Aurora Cruise in here, maybe the, you know, the Apple headline, I guess, is probably going to go a long ways for these companies. If Apple says it's the real deal, Tesla's already on it in terms of uh, automated drivers, then it's just more confirmation that this is the way of the future. It, it is, OJ. But here's the thing, you know, from a trader's perspective, I'll just talk about that for a sec. If you look at a stock like this, there's no there's no reason why it could it could go higher or lower from here. So just as a general rule of thumb, I know we don't talk about strategies too much in this segment, but you know, if you look at a stock like this and you decide to add, you know, you'd add at any time, but put a 20% stop loss and only maximize your account position at 5%. So if you get stopped out, the most you can lose is 1% of your portfolio. And that's just a general rule of thumb. Anybody can use any strategy they want. But uh, we've seen, you know, some remarkable moves just continue from, from uh, you know, even lofty moves that we've seen in companies like Aurora. I mean, up at 40%. Today, there's no reason why it can't go higher from here, but it also could go lower. So you have to keep in mind there's a lot of risk involved in a pre-revenue-based business like this. Uh, but so you have to take your risks uh, accordingly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, get ready. Uh, you know, strap in and wear a helmet if you're going to be in the stock because yeah. uh, there's going to be some bumps along the way. Anytime you have a candle like that, there's just going to be big red candles too. Uh, George, last one. Verisite, VCYT. We've talked about this a few times before. It's a little bit more sluggish compared to some of the other companies in here, but yeah. it is futuristic enough to be in the good graces of Mrs. Kathy Wood, the manager at ARK Invest. Yeah, it is. It's actually a very interesting company, OJ, and, and it's as you mentioned, it's a little bit more of a low beta name in the genomic testing uh, areas of, uh, of medical technology. It, this is a company that provides and actually generates revenue and that's important here, that provides uh, diagnostic products and services to improve patient outcomes to help uh, establish whether or not there's a, pre a genetic predisposition for things like thyroid cancer, lung cancer, and pancreatic cancer are, again, a few of the uh, cancers that can be detected using Verisite's technologies. Now, uh, the company has a pretty lofty goal. They want to become, of course, the leader in cancer diagnostics, but we've talked about genomic testing as a, as a next uh, generation or secular technology that is uh, going to, of course, uh, potentially replace, you know, therapeutic uh, dealing of chronic illnesses like cancer. You know, preventative medicine seems to be the, uh, the the way of the future, especially from a genomic testing standpoint. So, if you basically know you're genetically predisposed to cancers, you get more screening earlier, uh, perhaps change a lifestyle to uh, to prevent the trigger of an illness, and that's the goal of this kind of technology. But uh, the other thing is, is you have to think about revenues. Now, this is a company that has two, uh, two, two clinical uh, application tests that are, that are in use right now. They're basically non-invasive nasal swab swabs. So that's a, a, good, a good sign for, uh, for companies, I'm sorry, for patients who are apt to get uh, you know, blood tests. The other thing is partnerships. We talk about this with any biotech company when you have Companies that are pre-profits or pre, uh, have generated have not generated profits. Partnerships are a huge deal, and uh, Verisite does have partners with uh, Johnson and Johnson and Eli Lilly. So that's essentially uh, a pretty uh, a pretty compelling reason why 
you know, this company does have some traction, has backing from major companies. The other thing is analyst coverage. Uh, eight analysts cover the company uh, on, on a consensus basis. The target is 65, and including Goldman Sachs today, which uh, reinstated the company as uh, under coverage at a $65 price target. The company did also report earnings back on the 9th of November. They are generating revenues about $180 million based on the last four quarters at 94% year-over-year last quarter. Uh, overall, the guidance for revenues for fiscal year 2021 were higher than expected, uh, as well as, again, the, the cash position of the company. Uh, the company lost about $40 million last year, but it has about $325 million in cash. So that equates to mm, right. uh, about uh, four quarters worth of cash burn that they have. But here's the thing. Uh, analysts like it because they see revenue going forward as being higher than estimated. And so that changes our models altogether, improves the scalability, reduces the cash burn. And that's why we're seeing the price move in the analysts now, like Goldman Sachs, pick up coverage once again. Okay. All right, uh, George, nice finds for us. Uh, and Goldman definitely making waves here with this report. It seems like uh, waking up the stock and rallying big into the weekend. Nice work finding the gems, the diamonds in the rough, uh, George. All right, at least based on the action we're talking about here short term, uh, looking at stocks like Aurora, get ready for volatility.